This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find that, uh, you can, I'm sorry, <laughs> you can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, or you can like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. Um, this episode, of course, is, uh, our episode sponsor this week, I should say, is Horror Movie Yearbook from the Midwest Podcast Network. Uh, you can find them at HM Yearbook and at horrormovieyearbook.com. Uh, it's a great, uh, horror movie centric podcast that discusses um, a few different horror movies from a specific year and contextualizes them uh, into the culture and and current events of the year that they were released. It's a really interesting podcast and I highly recommend it. Again, that's at HM Yearbook on Twitter and horrormovieyearbook.com. And thank you to the Midwest Podcast Network and Horror Movie Yearbook for sponsoring this week's episode. And uh, Tiny, how's it going? Terrifically. Perfect. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's good. Uh, today, what are we talking about? Okay, well, this week we are talking about Wonder Woman. But first, mm-hmm. friend of the show, Dave Chan, mm-hmm. uh, who you remember from past episodes where we talked about mm-hmm. their short films, uh, yeah. What's Eating Dad. His and Michael Goldberg, they did uh, What's Eating Dad, and they're currently doing um, uh, uh, Surefire. Surefire which right. They also have their Surefire podcast. Uh, Surefire is their feature um that they're working on that they also just uh, made a short film for. There's actually a trailer for it. I'll put a link to the show notes, uh, cool. a trailer for the uh, for the short film. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, our friend Dave, he is a um, he's a guest festival director, which is a really cool title, at the Art of Brooklyn Film Festival, uh, which is going on this weekend. Um, he's moderating a bunch of panels, uh, one of them about Asian-American uh, misunderstood representation in Hollywood. Uh, which is an important topic. Uh, he's going to be on there with Michael Zam, who's an NYU writing instructor and co-creator of the uh, feud Betty and Joan on FX, which I haven't watched. Bet and Joan. Yeah. Bet and Joan, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, old yeah. people names. Yeah, and that um, um, that's going to be sep- that that's a one-on-one conversation with Michael Zam. That's going to be separate from from a. I think that's going to be separate from the uh, Asian American misunder misunder. Yes. Anyway, uh, go ahead. And a one-on-one. Co- okay, yeah, so that's a separate thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, he's working on a, a workshop slash panel hybrid. Oh, you're fancy, Dave. Um, <laughs> uh, led by uh, master podcaster Dave Power. Uh, what's his podcast? He uh, is he does he runs their Surefire podcast. Oh, okay. He's like a really good like podcaster like host, and he's he kind of moderates the conversations between Dave and Michael. It's really it's really uh, compelling stuff. Cool. Um, and again, if you're interested in filmmaking and and uh, independent filmmaking in general check out the surefire podcast because they're they do some really great work there very nice i forgot they did it. they started a podcast for that i need to oh yeah i need to look into that i've been getting into podcasting again so nice um so uh david power uh will be uh appearing with actress anna suzuki uh she's from orange is the new black spike lee's tv series she's gotta have it 
and Patty Cakes. I'm not familiar with that one. Me neither. Uh, and then uh, our friend Dave Chan will be on that panel as well. So mm-hmm. that sounds pretty awesome. And uh, every person who purchases a ticket will be automatically entered into a raffle to win a free copy of David Power's industry book, Introduction to Podcast Technology. We should both probably read that. I, I think so too. <laughs> yeah. And it's and I don't remember if you mentioned this, but that uh, workshop and panel hybrid that the, he's going to be doing with David Power is uh, uh, where they'll be discussing podcasting techniques as another promotional tool for, for filmmakers specifically. So again, we like should listen really cool. to that. We should definitely <laughs> check that out. Um, so that's cool. So yeah, if you uh, if you're in the New York area, mm-hmm. buy a ticket to that. You'll be entered into a raffle to win his book, yeah. and you can go see some cool panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like. The Power of the Podcast will be this Saturday, June 10th at 8 p.m. at St. Francis College at the Moroni Theater. Mm-hmm. In Brooklyn. Yep. Um, yeah, so uh, check that out, definitely. And uh, congrats to Dave Chan and to Michael Goldberg for all the stuff that they've been doing. They've been really busy with tons of stuff that they've, they've been doing. It's really, um, really impressive. Deservedly so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I recommend listening. Go. I mean, just going because he's a... Um, Dave's a really articulate guy. Yeah. And like, you know, when he, we've, if you've heard him on the past episodes of the podcast, I recommend, recommend you go check him out if you haven't heard him. Um, mm-hmm. they, they're both just really smart guys. Yeah. Him and, uh, him and Mike, they're, mm-hmm. they're smart guys and they know what they're talking about. They know how to make a film. So definitely puts us to shame. Yes. A little bit. <laughs> little bit. Yeah. Uh, so check that out. Links will be in the show notes and everything. Um, yeah. So today we are going to be reviewing Wonder Woman and in lieu of a regular news segment, um, it's also, I, I should probably mention this because I don't remember what all we said last week in the pets episodes or pet movie episode, but we recorded that episode last week prior, the week prior to recording this. So I'm actually going to release this episode before the pet movies episode. So you guys are going to have to wait one more week, uh, to find out the, the results of, um, the poll for who should be the uh, the mascot for the obsessive viewer. And I mean, maybe this is a little teaser for it, but you might learn what the meaning of the phrase wub that belly means. So <laughs> dear God. Yeah. Okay. Wub that belly. Anyway, it's guaranteed so many people will not listen to that. Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so in lieu of a regular news segment this week, I just want to kind of have us, talk a bit about the kind of news surrounding Wonder Woman. Um, first of all, actually, now that the movie has been released and everything, it has shattered, you know, box office expectations and records. It's something like the biggest um, biggest opening for a film directed by a woman. Right. I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's kind of a juggernaut. I mean, it's, it's uh, it had an over 200 million worldwide opening weekend box office numbers. Awesome. Um, which is really impressive. And it's really, really fantastic. Um, it's really wonderful. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, yeah. So that is, uh, amazing and awesome. And as of this, as of this recording, uh, Patty Jenkins is going to be negotiating for, um, uh, to direct the sequel. Um, she hasn't been locked down yet, but negotiations are about to start. Cool. So, yeah. So the other piece of news that's kind of surrounded wonder woman prior to it being released was that the Alamo draft house, um, hosted or 
this is it, it was it hosted an all woman screening of Wonder Woman. And uh, let me just read quickly from this article from the Washington Post. Um, Bear with me for just a moment. Okay, so the Austin uh, Alamo Drafthouse announced last uh, in late May that they're going to be doing a an all woman screening of um, of Wonder Woman. So the actual announcement was: Apologies, gentlemen, but we're embracing our girl power and saying no guys allowed for one special night at the Alamo Ritz. And when we say when when we say people who identify as women only, we mean it. Everyone working at the screening, venue staff, projectionist, and culinary team will be female. So lasso lasso your geeky girlfriends together and grab your tickets to the celebration of one of the most enduring and inspiring characters ever created. Um, so yeah, so that was announced and I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I'm all for it. It's cool. Um, the screening sold out in a little over two hours and, uh, they even eventually, um, opened up a, a, an additional screening for it. Yeah. So then, uh, the internet happened. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's super sexist. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? (laughs) I don't. It's so no. dumb. Yeah. The yeah. outcry or the the outcry. Yeah. I mean, just dear God. Like on its, you know, if you're if you're an idiot, mm-hmm. on its face, yeah, it's totally sexist. Mm-hmm. But you know, everyone's like, you know, they think that the attitude is, well, oh, you know, there's there's no men allowed. Um, this yeah. can only be for women. Like that's not what it is. Like they're not mm-hmm. disparaging men by having the screening they're celebrating their womanhood yes it's a celebration not mm-hmm. a attempt to disparage men like you have to understand the intent of what they're mm-hmm. doing like if they were excluding men because they're sexist then yeah that would be sexist no they're excluding men because it's a celebration of right. femininity and womanhood and to be fair men have been railroaded and they have been just yes. really um, our rights have been violated multiple times. We're not taken seriously yes. by society. We don't get paid that much. So, I mean, this I is mean, just kind of another... We've only had thing. the vote forever. Right, exactly. <sighs> For too long, the woman has had their boot on the neck of they, the man. They have. They yes. have. <laughs> JK, love you, ladies. Totes, JK. Um, yeah, so this was there was an outcry, and... I mean, some of the comments were saying that it's very tacky of Alamo Draft House, um, and uh, saying that it was just sexist and bigoted, and it's uh, it's so it's really not. It's really not. <laughs> and what I loved about this article is that this uh, <laughs> I I love the kind of tongue in cheek way that the the writer of this article. Uh, put this, they put, it's sexist and bigoted, Evan Johnson commented, receiving nearly 40 reactions, more than half of which appeared to be laughing at Johnson's comments. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh. And it's just, it's so, it's so ridiculous. It's, uh, it's, it's annoying. Yeah. Um, and so this, (laughs) uh, there was a comment somewhere that, let me find that here. Uh, where they had said that, okay, so, so after the kind of, after the, uh, uh, after the backlash happened and everything, uh, Alamo Drafthouse said, we're very excited to present, um, actually, 
Okay. Uh, it says, we're very excited to present select women-only Wonder Woman screenings at Alamo Drafthouse. Uh, that providing an experience where women truly reign supreme has incurred the wrath of trolls only serves to deepen our belief that they're that we're doing something right. As a, as a result, we will be expanding this program across the country <laughs> and inviting women everywhere to join us. Um, to join us as we celebrate this iconic superheroine, uh, heroine, 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 heroine. Yeah, like the drug. Yeah, yeah. Uh, superheroine uh, in our theaters, um, which I thought that was that was a nice kind of classy move. Uh, oh, totally. Classy move. Like their tweet actually said, "We heard your complaints. Have taken swift and decisive action. Another women only sc- uh, women only Wonder <laughs> Woman's show on sale now." Nice. So I thought that was really uh, yeah. a nice touch. Um, but yeah, so it's I mean it's probably not even worth really bringing up the outcry and everything. But I think it's kind of important just yeah. the state of politics in this in this. It's classic Austin, Texas, too, because that's like, yeah. like you know, Texas is a very conservative state, very red state, but Austin is like a super liberal Democrat bastion mm-hmm. of of people in yeah. Austin. Um, it's where te- University of Texas is. So, mm-hmm. all the did yeah. you see? And I don't. Did you see the post that I made on Facebook about it in the comments? No, I didn't. Okay. I got it. Is there this some was, classic stuff in there? There's some really interesting stuff with one of our friends from high school. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I can't um, wait. Yeah. I, let's see. Um, I got to see this. Yeah. I mean, okay. So for background, my, my Facebook, my personal Facebook, I don't post that much stuff. I post pictures of my cat, never post anything political because I just, I don't like the political conversation and everything and it's not ever a conversation and everything but this is like okay this is a really cool thing that the alamo draft house did i'm gonna go ahead and post and and put my um personal like you know backing behind it and then and then there were just comments i mean i'll keep it anonymous and everything but like the comments were all really uh interesting and then it kind of blew up like a friend of mine said how is it equality though if they offer the same thing for men it would be sexist the modern feminist doesn't want equality they want special treatment and i felt kind of bad because he got kind of bombarded with a lot of uh uh pushback from a lot of other people in the comments but to each their own um also i i read somewhere that uh that Alamo Draft House said, like their their response to the to the why don't you do an all all men screening was well we did show Entourage the movie, <laughs> <laughs> um, but when my friend posted that like I just responded and just said um, it's not about equality or special treatment or anything like that though it's a, it's a few special event screenings to celebrate an icon for women uh, to actually be angry about it is similar to someone without kids being angry at some theater chains for having special baby friendly ma- matinee screenings and then he went on to say they made a political statement and it's backfiring so then they got uh, so then they get to back out and say no no it's not political and that i just don't understand i was when was it ever presented as a political statement yeah it i don't think it was. wasn't even the original uh press release that i read earlier um in this little discussion is like it's not it it wasn't at all presented as a political statement at all um and even if it was how is adding more screenings specifically in response to the backlash evidence of backing out of it and he went on to say that it's uh um he went on to say that it was just because they had uh, that he was saying that the, basically that he was 
that they were backing out of the political statement of it. But anyway, it was a whole thing, kind of interesting, uh, fun little, fun little, fun little read there. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, and then. Uh, oh, and he said something about how it had, like he said, women's only screening. It has nothing to do with Trump and women's marches and all of that. Just a coincidence, right? This is Austin, Texas. We're talking about. Yeah. Um, Which I meant, I meant the backlash to the. I was referring to the backlash to the screening. Right. People yeah. being pansies about it and just being oh. little social, social justice warriors about oh, it. Oh, gotcha. It's like they have to be offended about it because it's excluding people. Like that's what I, I wasn't saying that. They were having the screening because it's super liberal Austin. I wasn't saying that at all. Okay, I meant I the see. backlash. That's what I was referring to. I see. That yeah. was that was his that was his uh, argument for why it was a political statement. It was just because it was Austin, Texas, right? Um, and then he said, if Hillary Clinton would have won, I guarantee this wouldn't be happening. And I was just like, I like you have to admit, like I said, like come on, you have to admit that's a really flimsy connection to draw, and it's based purely on conjecture that about like Trump and the women's marches and everything, and like had they come out and said. Because Trump likes to grab women by the pussy and women are marching for equality, therefore we're going to have women-only screenings of Wonder Woman, then yeah, that would be a completely different story. But I feel like the the people putting political meanings behind this are um, assuming a lot of intent that there's just no evidence of at all. And it's not like Alamo Drafthouse actually shies away from political statements at all. Like the the Washington Post article that I was reading from actually linked to uh, references to Tim League's response to the whole gender-neutral bathroom controversy. And uh, and the whole Hillary Clinton thing, I just said, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> like, yeah. really? But um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting little read there. But it's interesting that uh, that there is a backlash and it's disappointing and uh, uh, annoying. Right. But yeah, we'll all, we'll all, someday everything will be okay. Yeah. Hopefully. It's, it, what's extra funny is that uh, our friend that we're referencing is in my wedding. I know, right? <laughs> and so are you. Yeah. I mean, it's not that <laughs> going to be awkward. No, it's not going to be that. I mean, no, he, it's not. you know, it's it's not like. I yeah, it's not like any anything. I'm gonna get yeah. so drunk at your wedding. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> Open bar, dude. Oh. Everybody better be drunk. Oh, believe me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. I I disagree with him. I, yeah, I don't think it's. Yeah. I don't think it was. I mean, there's probably some politics in there somewhere, but I think it's. I think it's mostly just like I said about a celebration of. It's a bunch of women celebrating their femininity and womanhood. I don't think it's a. I don't find it derogatory or exclusionary. Right. Right. It's all yeah. about how you choose to view it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I guess to give him a little credit, I've never been to Austin, Texas. I don't really know how super political Austin, Texas is, but that's true. All I can say is what I've heard. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I can't look at it that way. I guess mm-hmm. I don't see it that way. Sure, sure. And I'm not just that's... being all super positive about Wonder Woman, which uh, right? Because we will, <laughs> we'll get into that. I, right. uh, I, I'm not all just super positive about it. So yeah, yeah. But and this is a, this is not even this is more snarky than anything. But to say it's a political statement because it's Austin, Texas, is like saying a restaurant here in Speedway, Indiana, uh, has stuff on the menu that has a lot of carbs, is because it's in Speedway, Indiana, where they have races with cars. Carb day. Carb yeah <laughs> anyway um yeah so that's all of that let us know what you thought of uh that controversy and everything and uh yeah so uh we're gonna kind of just 
dive right into our review, I think. Is, or is, that, is it that time? Absolutely. You have been my greatest love. Be careful, Diana. I do not deserve you. Okay, sweet. So, uh, of course, we're going to go into a non-spoiler review, and then we'll probably do a... uh a bit of uh, spoiler talk, which we will definitely uh, prompt uh, and, and warn you guys for for what the uh, when the spoiler section will start. So here is our non-spoiler review of Wonder Woman. Okay, Tiny, do you want to start us off with reading a plot description from IMDb? I would love to. Sweet. Quote. Before I'm, I'm not going to say quote. Oh, okay, good. Okay. The synopsis says, Before she was Wonder Woman, she was Diana, princess of the Amazons, trained warrior. When a pilot crashes and tells of conflict in the outside world, she leaves home to fight a war to end all wars, discovering her full powers and true destiny. Yes. Now, this is the latest movie in the DC Extended Universe, which includes... Um, starts off with Man of Steel... Then uh, continues on with Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and then uh, Suicide Squad. Are those the only three? Those are the only three. This is the fourth one. My God, it feels like so many more. <laughs> it really, it really does. And we are so on record here at the Obsessive Viewer of just not being fans of what they've what they've done yeah. there. And uh, I mean, it's just like we we've kind of lambasted those movies. Um, quite a bit. Tiny, like, let's run down real quick. Just our quick thoughts on the uh, on the DC extending universe so far. So, refresh us. What did you think of Man of Steel? Um, I know uh, you and Mike disliked it more than I did, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't like it all that much um, at the time. I was still barely had one foot on the Zack Snyder uh, mm-hmm. train because um, I enjoyed a lot of his past films uh, and I still like I still stand by those movies um, but I think I think it was maybe I don't remember which movie it was after that I, I saw which movie it is it may have been Batman versus Superman um, I, I announced that I'm done defending him uh, mm-hmm. and I'm, I am I'm, I'm done defending him um, and Man of Steel was part of that um, I, I think it had some cool stuff to it I liked how dark it was and how serious it was Um but ultimately, I think it was just messy. It was just a messy movie, and um, it, it it it. Zack Snyder thinks he's good at stuff where he's not doing action, and he needs to be doing action. <laughs> he's he's good with action. I think right. like th- there's no action till like the 45 minute mark of the movie. It's just mm-hmm. it's ridiculous in a Superman movie. I mean, he's the most powerful thing in the world basically, and it's you don't have him. You have him talking to his dad for like 45 minutes, and it's just. Well, very, yeah. it was just a misguided movie. Sure, I think exactly, um, exact Snyderly. <laughs> um, so that was dumb. Um, yeah, my thoughts on Man of Steel. Like, I, <laughs> my thoughts on Manos Hands of Steel <laughs> is um, it wasn't good. I didn't like it. It was. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily that it needed more action or anything like that. Like, I mean, sure, yes action is needed in a comic book movie, obviously, um, to an extent, but 
and I can respect what he was trying to do with telling like a, you know, a more human story or, or a more personal story of building it up and everything. My problem with Man of Steel is that he does that in such a terrible way. Like the constant, uh, like the, the flashbacks, uh, the kind of uh, nonlinear way that he tells the, basically the entire backstory of um, Kal-El um, is just so, it's it's more disjointed than anything, anything um, I've seen from him or, I mean, I can't think of anything that's more unnecessarily nonlinear. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, they, they go from one scene in his past at the current day uh, with no real connection for any of it. Like there's no rhyme or reason to why, um, to why these scenes should connect to each other. And that's what kind of just really took me out of the movie from the beginning when I first saw it in, on subsequent reviewings. Um, that, and then just kind of the really clumsy way that they do the whole, uh, Paul Kent, uh, you know, telling, telling, uh, Clark basically in, in, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? imparting the his belief system on on Clark Kent telling him like why he needs to hide his power and stuff like that it's just it felt just so uh hollow to me and just lifeless to me and mm-hmm. hearing and listening and reading to reading a lot of different um um reviews of it and everything it's that it doesn't seem like it's true to superman uh, in general like yeah. superman is a boy scout he's the he's the he's the symbol of of you know a, someone who's not of this world who learns to uh love the fragility and the um uh the flaw the flawed nature of humanity and defends that and everything this is just more a brooding a brooding character who doesn't want to reveal what he is to humanity. And it's just, it's really lackluster to me and it did not hold my attention. Um, really whatsoever. Very unbalanced um, movie. Ex- extremely. You need a lot yeah. of balance. Yeah. Oh yeah. And disjointed um, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was man of steel. I did not like it. Yeah. Um, and then we reviewed, I think, did we also, we reviewed, we reviewed man of steel. Didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was me. You yeah. and Mike. Yep. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The early days. Anyway. Ripped it to shreds. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, Batman v Superman, uh, we reviewed that ad nauseum. Tiny, do you want to run down your, your thoughts on it real quick? Yeah. I think it, it's an odd it's an odd reaction we had to it because I'll, I'll, it's an odd reaction I had to it. I don't want to speak for you guys, but uh, right. I think Fekus was on that episode with us. Maybe. Uh, y- was it Fekus or Tony? Fekus. I think it was Fekus. <sighs> we have so many guests. We do. <laughs> Well, I personally, I think I said in the episode, I had a really good time with the movie. I actually had fun. Like, it was a fun experience. It was fun to watch. I enjoyed the crap out of it. But it's kind of a dumb, it's just kind of a dumb movie. It's yeah. kind of, it, it took itself too seriously in certain ways. And then in other ways, it didn't take itself seriously enough. I guess that's right. how I would put it. Um, and it, it, and it had, it had, pacing issues uh which Zack snyder is very uh very infamous for doing mm. um reference every movie he's ever done yeah um yeah so he it's it was kind of more of the same in that regard but i think uh i'm not sure what the element was that made it so much more fun if it was just the fact that he had more more characters to work with or mm-hmm. 
had other creative minds working with him. I, I really don't know what the, what the factor was, but I had a great time in the theater with that movie. Um, but ultimately it was, it was a super flawed movie. And I think I haven't watched it again. I need to, I think Same it's, here. I think it's on Netflix, isn't it? Um, I think it's on, uh, HBO go. Is it HBO? Okay. Yeah. I can't remember. I've been flipping back and forth between those two a lot. Right. Um, but uh, I keep, I keep running across it and I'm like, Oh, I need to watch that again. And it's like two and a half hours. It is. And I'm like, I just don't have time for that right now. Ain't nobody yeah. got time for that. Right. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm really worried that when I watch it again, it's just not going to be the same because it'll be out of the, it won't be in the theater. Mm-hmm. There won't be the audience reaction. Right. The initial fun of it will have worn off. I, I really think it's uh I'm worried about rewatching it. Right. Put it that way. And like I'm on record that I didn't like the movie. Uh but in the theater, like I, I enjoyed it to an extent, or I enjoyed at least the uh the Batman and Superman fight scenes and everything. But it's that's it's the kind of movie that you have fun with when you're in the theater watching it, and then the second you walk out that door and you start processing the plot, the character motivations pretty much everything that you just saw is like, it is a jumbled mess of there's no like contrivances all over the place and Jolly Ranchers. It's, it's really, (laughs) it's a really, really dumb movie. Yeah. And it's, it makes no logical sense. Half the things that, that are, that happen in that movie make no sense. And the motivations don't, make sense at all and it's just it's just a bad it's a bad movie i don't think anybody knew what they were doing with lex Luthor. no no i, I think i think jesse eisenberg was like hey what if i use this crazy ass voice right. and make him really uh you can't even understand what the hell he's talking about mm-hmm. and zack snyder was like okay he and jesse eisenberg was like oh, i was i i was joking i didn't actually want right. to do that and <laughs> zack snyder was like no you're doing that now yeah. and it just got away from everybody and mm-hmm. turned into this ridiculous clown of a character yeah. and i forgot i forgot all about jesse eisenberg yeah. in that movie so Stupid. What if I, <laughs> what if I, what if I taunt this guy by feeding him a Jolly Rancher, uh, in a very awkward way? Yeah. And then Zack Snyder's just like, oh, that would be great for the gag girl. Yeah, do that, do that. <laughs> and then the editor didn't get the memo and just put it in the finished movie. I'm not sure they had an editor for the movie. I don't think so either. <laughs> um, oh, and then uh, it's it's just such a bad movie. The, sl- the slow motion superfluous flashbacks mm-hmm. need to stop. They really do. They They're just... Slow motion everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow motion is a very delicate tightrope to walk and Zack Snyder doesn't walk it as well as he thinks he does. He really doesn't. I, I think I think he used it. it pretty well in the movie 300. I think it was effective in that movie. Sure. As far as the action scenes, but man, why why do we need to watch Bruce Wayne walk up to his home in slow motion. Like yeah. what, what is the, what is that adding to the movie? I don't except for minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's very true. Yeah. Nice. Well said. Thank you. Um and then we get to Suicide Squad, which I thought was a freaking dumpster fire of a movie. I love that description. It's it it really was. It like again, the motivations are I mean, they're a little bit more solid, but it's just, I, I found myself just not caring about anything that was happening in that movie. Yeah. Um, it reinforces this idea that spoiler for the mid credit scene of suicide squad, but it reinforces this whole, like, like Batman is the world's greatest detective and in both Batman V Superman and suicide squad, he's literally handed files 
of information <laughs> about about people and everything. Like that's how he's collecting these the information on the metahumans. He's just handed this information. Right. It's not you know detective skills or anything. Yeah. Um. And then just the really weak way that they brought in the characters. There's one character that's just brought in at the last minute um, of the introductions for no reason. And then you realize exactly why they didn't devote the full um, introduction thing to him. And it's so stupid. Yeah. Um, The Joker. uh, I wasn't a fan of the little gangster guy with the damaged tattoo and stuff. (laughs) The relationship between him and Harley Quinn was kind of weird and didn't feel as it felt more like a, like a legitimate, like abusive relationship and not like the crazy person attracted to crazy person. It was like just crazy person who has control of this slightly less crazy person. And she wants to be with him in a normal life. It's, it's so, uh, yeah. And they had the blue sky beam thing at the end. That's in ever that's become a trope of the comic book movies. Right. Uh, terrible terrible movie yeah it was uh, again a mess it's just a mess Mm -hmm. yeah a messy movie um i i said i actually kind of liked it and Mm -hmm. i kind of do i stand by that i think i think the characters at least a lot of them not all of them uh were pretty well realized and i think the actors embraced them and did a pretty good job like i said i loved margot roby i i thought she was like perfect like i thought she was a perfect harley quinn i loved loved her um, and then I finally enjoyed Jay Courtney for the first time ever. <laughs> he finally played a character and not just Jay Courtney. Um, and just a couple of the other people I thought were, were pretty good. Um, I don't know. I just, I really just enjoyed the characters, but I thought so much of the movie was forced mm-hmm. and just came out of nowhere. It was, it it was a mess of a movie. Um, I would have been much happier if the Joker wasn't in it. Yeah. I thought it was stupid. Uh, I really didn't, um, I, I don't I don't want to blame Jared Leto for it. I don't think it was his fault necessarily, but um when the 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 two most famous portrayals of or well I'd say the three most famous portrayals of the Joker, you know, uh Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, and uh Mark Hamill mm-hmm. um are all they all toe the line of going too far. Mm-hmm. But they never cross it. You know, right. and they all do just that perfect job of not going too far with it. And I think Jared Leto crossed the line and went a little too far. When you send used condoms to your castmates yeah. in character, that it presents a bit of an issue. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. He went a little too far with it. Yeah. He's. Yeah. I think his career is going to recover and everything. Oh, I'm sure it will. You know, he won an Oscar a couple years ago. So yeah. But, right, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's Suicide Squad. So going into Wonder Woman, what were your expectations? Um, my expectations were they need to get their shit together and they need to make a really good movie that ties things together because I, I think they're, they're going to lose a lot of fans. I mean, they're going to, or they're going to, they're going to lose, they got to get some momentum going here. Mm -hmm. Um, the only momentum they have is financial. I mean, all those movies, well, Suicide Squad wasn't super successful, was it? It made money. Um, yeah, I think it was fairly successful. I don't know. It wasn't that. a smash hit, right. but it made money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Man of Steel did great, and Batman vs. Superman did great, financially speaking. Right. So that's all the momentum they have. It's just, it, they make a bunch of money, people show up to watch them, but I feel like the critical acclaim is not there for, for a lot of their their movies. And right. I feel like some of the diehard people that were going to love the movies regardless 
love them, but then a lot of the people like you and me and who who are movie fans, they go and see it, but they don't have any attachment to the franchise. They're not, they're not, they're not there, you know? And I, I have the same relationship to Marvel, to, to mm-hmm. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I don't really know much about it. I'm not a diehard fan of it, but I've turned into a big fan of the movies because they're really good and they're well mm-hmm. done. Um, and the, the people like that, like me, they're not, they're not maintaining those fans very well. Um, I went to see Man of Steel opening weekend and like was really mm-hmm. excited about it. And then I lost some momentum and I didn't see Batman versus Superman on open opening weekend. And I never even saw suicide squad in the theater. Right. So I'm not trying to just, you know, base everything around, uh, around myself, but that's, that's been my reaction to it. And I feel like a lot of other people reacted the same way. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, we, did we, we didn't see Batman v Superman opening weekend. Did we, I feel like we, I feel like I didn't, I feel like we didn't, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know. Can't remember. Anyway, um, yeah, and um, my expectations going in were pretty, um, you know, low. Not low necessarily. Um, I started to hear some buzz about it, which one of the funny things that I, I I read was that like it was everyone was saying like, oh, this is the best DC movie since the Dark Knight trilogy. I'm like, sure, but look at what has come between right. the Dark Knight trilogy and this. Like, that's a very low bar to to beat. Um, so I feel like that kind of elevated some of the buzz. It was getting a really great Rotten Tomatoes score. It was like 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I kind of started to pay closer attention. I was kind of getting a little bit more – I was kind of easing up my my uh, low expectations for it because I was expecting to go in and just think like, okay – this is going to be kind of a chore to watch because specifically so that we can record our uh, review of it because I'm almost to the point at that, at that point that I'm almost done with DC movies. Yeah. So when I started to hear the buzz, I, I started to get a little more excited. Um, also, this is the first female led superhero movie since Electra in like right. 2002. So it obviously has a lot of, stuff at stake with it. So I started to relax and I started to get a little more excited and I started to think, okay, maybe, maybe DC can turn it around with this. So, um, going into it, I was, I was excited and, um, uh, I was pretty excited cause I've said from the start, I've wanted to like the DC movies. I do enjoy the DC characters. I think when it comes down to it, if you have Marvel and DC, I think as characters, I enjoy the DC characters more than the Marvel characters. Marvel movies, I enjoy more with their flaws and everything. They're still fun movies. DC just hasn't met that yet. So I was very eager to be not necessarily proven wrong, but swayed back to DC's good graces with Wonder Woman. So having said that, Tiny, what did you think of Wonder Woman? I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. Um, Right out of the bat, I gave it a 6 out of 10. Um, and honestly, I think I'm being a little generous there. I think more like a 5.5 is, is more appropriate. Um, but I'd, I'd like, okay. to see, like to see it again. Um, I I feel like um, we always bring up the, the weak villain thing, and it's, it's almost become a staple of superhero movies. They just churn them out so much that it's hard to come up with good villains, I guess. Um, but in the other movies, I think the characters are just so good, mm-hmm. and there's so much other fun stuff to enjoy that I just don't care about the bad villains. Um, but in this movie, I feel like 
the characters either weren't that great or just weren't, they're just not there yet. And so I didn't have that to fall back on because, I mean, this had, the villains were terrible. I mean, I don't even, so, just so forgettable. Um, and I, I, I wish there was something else to look forward to, uh, in, in the protagonist characters, uh, notably. Um, I, I thought, uh, the character of Diana Wonder Woman um, was was a fully realized character. I think they I think they tapped into the character and fully fully realized Diana the character like that. She she was well done. Um, I'm not super enthusiastic about Gal Gadot or Gadot as a as an I think actress. It's Gal Gadot. Is it okay? She had there was a pre- promo thing before the movie, and she said Gal Gadot or something. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. maybe I misheard her. I don't know. <clears throat> but I I'm just not enthused by her performances. Um, my only reference to her really before that was the her two entrances in the Fast and the Furious franchise. I want to say I think two or three, maybe two or three. There's the that's the only reference I have for her, and, and I okay. thought she was pretty forgettable uh, in those movies. And um, I th- she she was fine. I think she she did a, she did a decent job. But I just I don't know. I I feel like other female superheroes that we've been enjoying over the past decade and a half or so have been uh, far more enjoyable. Like like Jean Grey in the X Men series and uh, Black Widow have mm-hmm. just been a lot a lot better female characters. And I've I've enjoyed them. I've enjoyed those performances more. Let me say that. Um, I've enjoyed those performances more. So, um, Chris Pine felt like a bit of a placeholder to me. Um, I think he did he did okay, but there just was not much for him to work with there. Um, but you know, all around, I think it was an it was it was an enjoyable movie. It, mm-hmm. it, it was fun. I man, the action! I just love. I love that we can have demigod characters now that actually look un they look so powerful that it's like unbelievable i mentioned yeah. that actually i mentioned that in man of steel that was one of my favorite parts of man of steel mm-hmm. i feel like that was the first time that superman ever truly seemed godlike the demonstration of yeah. their power was so powerful that it was like unfathomable and just it, the destruction that, that they're capable of the the carnage they can cause is super impressive and i love the way that it can be that it can be demonstrated with cgi now um and i've had that same notion with wonder woman um yeah so having said all that i i think i think gal gal gadot or whatever her mm-hmm. she 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 looked amazing and she was physically like perfect just she was badass as hell you know she's like a trained martial artist and she's she's in the military for a couple of years you know she's she's a badass without question and i totally appreciated that aspect of her character she nailed that part perfectly mm-hmm. i just i feel like some of the other i don't know I, I feel like she's just i'm not sold on her as an actress i guess i'll say okay. that so um that that was I, I, I wasn't crazy about that part, but um, yeah, I, I think where it falls in the DC the DCEU, um, I think it's it's definitely up there. It's it's probably objectively it's probably the best movie so far of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's just hard for me to make that distinction because I feel like some of the other movies I had, like, or at least with Batman vs Superman, I had like a better time with it. Like I, I enjoyed the experience more. Uh, but I need to objectively see both movies again, and sure, and you know before I really uh, make that decision. But like I said, six out of ten. Um, there's plenty to like about it. Also, one thing I want to mention real quick: mm-hmm. I love the fact that it was set during World War One, because uh-huh. I feel like th- this is just like totally kind of a political statement on my part. But like World War One is just such an ignored, ignored event in Western culture, at least in the United States. Right. We just don't talk about it that much in the historical context. And it's such a shame because it's one of the most important events in human history. And it was just this devastating thing. And they demonstrated the horror of that war really well, I think in this movie. So I was, you know, that's, it's a big action, big budget action movie that finally shed a light on world war one a little better. So I, I liked that. And I think they did a really good job with that. So, I appreciated that part of the movie as well. There's, I don't want, I don't want everybody to think that I'm just crapping all over the movie. And I, I hated it. I didn't hate it at all. I, mm-hmm. I kind of enjoyed it, but uh, I just feel like it had a lot to overcome. Um, also, it reminded me a lot of the first Captain America movie, which I also yeah. didn't care for that much. Right, and that's that's fair. Sure, yeah. but um, you know, the two <clears throat> Captain American Captain America sequels are yeah. freaking amazing. Yeah. So if they can pull that off, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because I actually had a much more favorable experience, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I don't know where I'm going to put this in the episode, but I think it's funny that the first the first DCEU movie that we're reviewing that I really liked and the first like positive thing I just go and throw up yeah. <laughs> in the middle of recording. You're totally sexist. Yeah, <clears throat> not necessarily that. It's just I'm I have such an aversion to the DC movies, right? And Zack Snyder, but yeah. Anyway, so and I'm fine by the way, guys. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So Wonder Woman, I thought this. You know, it's funny because you mentioned yeah, Batman v Superman, super long, two and a half hours. I want to see the ultimate edition, but that's an extra like 30 minutes. So that's another, that's like three hours and everything. This movie, Wonder Woman was two hours and 21 minutes. And I did not feel that. I thought that this was a really well paced movie. Yeah. Um, the, just right from the outset, the, the exposition dump at the beginning that, it wasn't even an exposition dump. It felt very organic and it felt very natural to show like it, the way that it was presented, this whole backstory of Ares and, and Zeus and, <clears throat> and the Amazons and, and their little paradise place, uh, uh, the mystican or something. The mystican. Yeah, that place. <laughs> <clears throat> the way all that was presented, that didn't feel like an exposition dump. That just felt like, I was I was in this world watching this this young girl kind of dream dream of being a a warrior um and seeing all of these really cool well choreographed you know like martial arts stuff or these uh these warrior things um battle <laughs> pra- practice I don't know training <clears throat> training <laughs> training with all of these women it's like it looked really cool and intense and I was just kind of sucked into the world and when they went through the backstory of of the Amazons and of the uh, and and of every of, of the whole demigod thing, I was hooked. I was like, okay, this is going to be pretty cool. This is this is presenting it in a really cool, 
non-Zack Snyder way. <laughs> like it wasn't this long drawn out thing. It was just like, here's the information you need. And we're going to hint at the, like, we're going to hint at that there's going to be more information coming, but Hey, this is what you need to know now. And then, you know, Captain Kirk's going to crash. Um, <laughs> so right from then I thought it was, I thought it was a, a good hook for it. Um, Throughout the movie, the thing that uh, a few things that I really thought stood out was that Patty Jenkins, I thought, did a wonderful job. Um, I thought she did amazingly well. The um, action scenes were uh, were kind of spaced out well. Like there wasn't there wasn't like any time where I thought like oh they haven't you know kicked ass in, uh, recently or. Um, and then on the flip side of that, like there was no scene that felt like, oh, they just need to kick ass because they haven't kicked ass in a while. Um, it just felt like a very organically told story. And um, one of the things I really enjoyed about the action sequences and one of the things that – this goes back to one of the things that I was nervous about with the trailers and everything is the use of slow motion and the Zack Snyder type of effect. And what I really – what I came away from – Wonder Woman really respecting and enjoying probably the most was how it takes that uh, Zack Snyder aesthetic and that uh, Zack Snyder style and and I, I don't want to say honors it, but it follows it. Um, it, it. It takes the aesthetic and the, and the kind of a style of the movies previous to it in this franchise, shared universe, whatever you want to call it. And it utilizes that with a competent filmmaker <laughs> and it utilizes that in a way that's not obscene. It's not over the top. It's not overdone. The sequences where she is running in slow motion or there's a fight in slow motion. I never felt like that was a burden to the movie. I never felt like that was overdone, overdoing anything. I thought that that was used very, very smartly and very well. And I really appreciated that because not only not only was it just used effectively and it was it was used, you know, competently, but it is it ensures that the movie fits within what's been established before it in the in the previous three movies. Um but it does it in a way that's that's still making its own thing. So it's not like Wonder Woman's gonna stick out like a sore thumb, it's just it's following that aesthetic. Um and I think that they did a really good job of honoring that or or following what's been established and putting a, a actual actual entertaining spin on it and then the other thing that i really appreciate about it was uh the character of diana really um she is this amazon woman who is who is kind of it's this fish out of water thing where she's learning about you know mankind and their customs and stuff like that and and she's doing so in a way that's so so cheeky and fun um like when like when she and uh chris pine are on the boat and she's talking about the uh like six volumes of of um love making or whatever that she read mm-hmm. um and just like it's it's such a fun like back and forth with with him and then you kind of couple that with her learning about humanity and about um uh, just kind of learning about um, what it, what what people like what what's at stake in this war? These innocent people that are in the crossfire, the villagers, and and the people that are that are being harmed and and killed as as collateral damage of this war. So she is she has this. 
I don't even I, I I hesitate to even say it's naivete because I feel like that's putting that's that's putting it a little too harshly because she's she's mm-hmm. she's a lot stronger than that as a character. She's just she's more it's it's more it's her opening her eyes to to the reality that that she's been sheltered from um, as a result of being on the on, in that little paradise place. Um, <clears throat> And I just thought that that was a really interesting character arc. And you're right; she is probably the most well-drawn character in the movie, and the other ones aren't nearly as as fleshed out. Her kind of the the kind of group of guys that that like their team that they assemble throughout the movie. Like, there's I may be misremembering, but there's like the one guy who's a sharpshooter. Um, they had some good like kind of back and forth with him, but I feel like his arc wasn't completed. Um, and then the other, the other couple characters I just felt weren't, um, weren't <clears throat> as focal to, in the movie as, as they should have been. I feel like there should have been like one or two extra, like, uh, group buddy scenes yeah. to kind of do that. Um, <clears throat> and we'll talk more about kind of the last half or last third of the movie and everything a little bit too but you're absolutely right yeah the the villains are are bad they're just it, it, there's no real way to slice it it's they're bad but i feel like the and I'll, I'll dance around this and then we'll talk more about it in spoilers but i feel like the way that the villains were handled uh were were fine by my standards um um they yeah they are they are weak villains it does lead to a kind of a tropish uh, kind of climax, but the way that they divulge plot in that moment, I felt was pretty uh, up to my liking because I thought that it was it was handled fairly well. Yeah, I think those are my over my overall thoughts on the movie. Um, anything you want to talk about in non spoilers? Kind of touch on? Um, I don't think so. Not in the non spoilers section. I think okay. again, I think I think of the four DC DCEU movies, I think it's probably probably at the top um at least initially you mm-hmm. know uh, objectively need to have some or no have some more like objective viewings of mm-hmm. some of the other stuff yeah. but it's up there i think now sure to be fair and i'll agree with you <clears throat> i'll agree with you but to be fair the thing that i just put in the toilet um, here, that's about <laughs> the equivalent of the first three movies in the stupid shared universe good lord <laughs> um, that's really harsh. That is really harsh. <laughs> and now I need to include the fact that I threw up during this recording <laughs> in the recording. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and, and also to your point about mm-hmm. Zack Snyder, it, it did not reek of Zack Snyder. It didn't have this the annoying Zack Snyderisms that have dragged down the first handful of movies. I agree. Yeah. It, it was just a much better told story and a much, uh, yeah. much better shot film. And I think that... I I don't know, and I I don't know if this if this movie because I, I really like I'm gonna own this movie like I'm gonna end up buying it on Blu-ray because it's I I thought it was a lot of fun and I liked the chemistry between Gal Gadot Gal Gadot and uh, Chris Pine. Um, I mean, I guess we can. They were good together. Yeah, they, they were good, and uh, we can talk a little bit about this in non-spoilers, I guess. But the whole idea that their paradise is this. Uh, or the, the place where the Amazons are, uh, has been hidden by, uh, uh, Zeus, I guess. Right. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I got vibes from lost. Um, yeah, naturally. Um, 
But the thing that I, the one of the things that I started nitpicking about, and then I kind of pushed it aside, was that it was hidden by like Zeus. But there, there's no reason for them to find it. Like it, it's literally like they just he just happened to fly in the flight plan of flight path of the right. of the island. It's not like it was. I don't know. It wasn't like it was. It it was the equivalent of them saying like, um, I hid. I hid a treat behind a curtain and my cat just went through the curtain to get the treat. <laughs> like there wasn't, I thought that there would be something like some reason for them to, uh, be able to come into the, to the airspace of the Island, but it just felt very flimsy. That it was just like, Oh, he just happened to fly into the yeah. flight path of it. It's like, it's, I don't know. That felt that, that bugged me quite a bit. Um, yeah, they just kind of stumbled upon it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, I mean, that's like, that's, and that was pretty early in the movie, and I started to think, like, am I going to nitpick this movie? Am I, am I going to sit here and just like, like I did with Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman? Are, are like all of these things going to be so um, glaringly obvious to me that it's going to bother me throughout the whole movie? <laughs> um, and to the movie's credit, it didn't because unlike Batman v Superman and unlike Suicide Squad, they knew what they were doing when making this movie, and it was. Like those little issues that I have there, um, throughout the movie are just are just that they're little issues in um in a movie that I really enjoyed, and it's just refreshing to feel that way about a DC movie. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes me it makes me hesitantly excited. I, I not even hesitantly excited. It makes me curious what the future of the DC extended universe is going to be. Um, I don't know if the quality of wonder woman in my eyes, like what worked for me, I don't know if that was a response to the feedback from Batman V Superman. I don't know if, if like Jeff Johns and the people at DC and at Warner brothers, I don't know if they heard our review of it, but, um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would hope that that's the case and that going forward, they're going to make those adjustments and it's going to be a much more cohesive and much more vibrant, um, uh, franchise and everything. But I, I hope that they made those corrections for justice league, but I have the feeling that they didn't do that. Like it's, I have a feeling that justice league is going to be down for me again. Is Zack Snyder directing justice league? He is. Yeah. He, yeah. And we, we talked about that, I think, or I think me and Fex talked about that, that he had to step down for post-production because his daughter uh, committed suicide and he needed to be with family. Right. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. I couldn't remember if that was. Yeah. That's just during post-production. So it's right. so like the film shot, they uh, brought in Joss Whedon to do uh, like the, him, like a few of the reshoots that are needed and to oh, really? finish up like editing and everything in post-production. Really? Joss Whedon? Yeah. Wow. Cool. Joss Whedon. Yeah. Is it Joss Whedon? That'd be a little surprising, because he did the Marvel. Movies. Yeah, it is Joss Whedon. Really? Okay. Yeah, because he's doing uh, he's doing uh, Batgirl. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. Which I'm, and that's again, like I, like this. This actually gets me pretty excited because not not necessarily for Justice League. Justice League, I'm gonna kind of count as you know maybe it's just too late in the game to for them to adjust best or to do what to do like make a make a decent movie out of it. I'm I'm not. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm putting the cart way before the horse. It could be good and everything, but I'm not going to get my hopes up for it. But the idea that this Wonder Woman movie is per, sort of the first, yeah, it's basically the first solo superhero movie from DC since Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, the idea that they'll have more of the solo movies and hopefully those solo movies will be, will be made 
well and be done done well. Um, the different um, the different um, uh, production issues behind the scenes, um, notwithstanding. Um, I mean, like, I'm excited to see The Flash. I'm excited to see Batgirl. I'm excited to see Nightwing and Batman. Um, Nightwing in particular, I'm getting really into that, uh, into that comic, uh, like the old, uh, from the 90s, the comic run of it. I've read all of the New 52. I really like Nightwing, and I would really like to see, I would really like to see Dick on the big screen. Dick Grayson. <laughs> um, that's one of my favorite things. I, I think I mentioned this in my yeah uh, in an episode when I had my night my Nightwing shirt on, and someone's like, "Oh, nice Nightwing shirt," and I'll just say, "Oh yeah, I love Dick." <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm really excited to see that, and I'm really excited for them to do like Batman, like the Bat Family, like have those movies. Like I I would even argue like screw Justice League, screw the DC universe and everything, just do a Bat Family shared universe <laughs> because I mean you've got so much there, right? but whatever. But anyway, um, so this gives me hope for the DC extended universe. We'll see how justice league pans out and we'll see what happens, but I'm hoping that this is a sign of things to come and that they do a continue to do a good job going forward. So, yeah, I think they got, a little, I think they gained a little momentum with this. I think so. Too. This movie here. I hope so. With me and fans in general, mm-hmm. in the general public, like it's, I mean, it's great that this that this was a hit both for you know, like feminism and everything. That's that's great and everything, but yeah. also for movie fandom and uh, fans of of comic book movies and summer blockbusters. I think that this was a a very good step in the right direction on a lot of a lot of fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, let's go into our spoiler review. Um, Obviously, yeah, if your uh, spoiler is on for Wonder Woman, we're going to play a short clip here. So um, go ahead and check the show notes for the timestamps for, wow, timestamps for when to uh, jump ahead to the spoilers or to skip spoilers. If you need to go throw up, go throw up. <laughs> um, this is a good time to take a break for that. <laughs> um, and yeah, and we'll get into spoilers here in just a moment. I'm Steve Travers' secretary. What is a secretary? I go where he tells me to go and I do what he tells me to do. Oh, well, where I'm from, that's called slavery. I really like her. Fantastic. Oh, Ladies, I, after you. I do. I like her. Okay, and spoilers on for Wonder Woman. Um, so, Tiny. Um, yeah. Where to begin with spoilers? <laughs> how, how do you want to... Dude, you mentioned that you didn't like the villains. Let's expand on that. Well, um, I, I feel like uh, Ludendorff and Doctor Poison were they were they were over the top. You know, they were over the top characters. Um, but I, I compared it to the first Captain America uh, movie, and I think there's some pretty pretty good parallels there. Yeah. But in Captain America, Red Skull was so over the top mm. i i despised that part of that movie i just thought it was <laughs> it was cartoonish and sure. dumb and i hated it um and in this movie it wasn't it was over the top comic bookish comic bookish over the top it wasn't cartoonish it wasn't ridiculous but it was it, it's ultimately just very forgettable um i mean her name's dr poison like, that's <laughs> just so unimaginative um so I, I really didn't care for all that 
And then the whole Ares thing, they just kind of sat on it forever, and it, it crops up in the end, and it it wasn't really a big surprise. I mean, you know, obviously the fact that it was David Thewlis' character was a bit of a surprise. I figured he was, um, you know, he was going to be more significant in some way because he was, you know, portrayed by a relatively well-known actor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured he was going to be relevant in some other way, but um, I thought that was kind of cool. I like I liked her battle with Ares at the end. I thought that mm-hmm. was physically just impressive and and looked really good and was pretty badass. Um, so that was cool. Um, yeah, I, I can't complain too much about the whole Ares thing, but uh, and you know I liked how there's this there's a theme throughout the movie that you mentioned earlier where you know she's kind of discovering the nature of mankind. Uh, mm-hmm. throughout the movie and to have it culminate with you know the fact that mankind is not so much corrupted by uh, you know the gods as they are just corruptible beings in general you know they, they're, they're corruptible by through themselves and they manip- manipulate each other and they're they can be wonderful but they can be terrible you know that whole thing and it's just kind of part of the nature of mankind that we go to war it's mm-hmm. not all about the influence of the gods and all that. That was, I I enjoyed the progression of that, and I think it culminated well in that in that uh, that climax. Sure. So that was good, and I you know I just it was the whole Ludendorff and Doctor Poison thing. I wasn't too crazy about. Um, okay. And you know I feel like every origin story you're it's like you're gonna have a weak villain because mm-hmm. you need to focus so much of your energy on developing your main character and. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this this was an origin story and all that. So you really need I I can understand I can forgive the weak the weak villains um in that regard for that reason. I feel like there's there's always a weak villain. So Yeah, and and I agree though like I at this point at this point weak villains seem kind of part and parcel with comic book movies in general. Um, that goes with DC and, uh, and Marvel. Um, it's just kind of across the board and that's a shame. That sucks. That's, that's terrible. Like yeah. that is a problem with this type of, of movie. Like that is, that is a glaringly obvious problem that I'm not giving excuses for anything. Um, when it comes to Ludendorff and Dr. Poison, um, I kind of liked Dr. Poison as a concept. Um, and I thought that the kind of, um, the the kind of design of her is is pretty cool and and kind of made me cringe a little bit in certain parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I thought that they were a little more subdued. I mean, I I thought they were subdued characters, sub, subdued villains. I'm not. I wasn't too eager to learn about their plot or anything because I kind of I think I've been trained to just say like, hey, let's give this to the protagonist and. Like they have to have fight someone, um, and might as well make the make it these people. Um, what I did like about them was how they had concealed the reveal of Ares. Um, I thought that Danny Houston yeah. as Ludendorff, yeah, like there's there's that moment at the gala where um, where Wonder Woman is in the is in the gown or in the dress. And she's she's talking with Ludendorff and everything the whole time. I'm thinking like, can he not feel the sword? Can, right? Do people <laughs> not see too. the fucking sword? Is he just grabbing her ass? What's yeah, going on? Like, yeah. What, like what? Like 
I mean, it's so it, like that was silly. That was that yeah. was like if this was a lesser DC movie, I would have been. That would have been my Martha moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was that was silly. There there's a lot of like kind of silly stuff there, but I thought that that was that was still compelling. Like I like that she is so driven by this this drive to to go after Ares, the god of war. Um and then I thought that that was coupled really well with Chris Pine just you know, being a a soldier in a war who, you know, wants to help end the war. Right. Um, it's, I thought that that was a good juxtaposition that, that brought a lot of good character moments and everything between the two of them. Um, the reveal that Danny Houston's character isn't Aries, um, that's all a red herring and it's actually, Oh, uh, David Thewlis. Yeah. Um, that was obvious. I don't think there's anybody who really? actually thought he was Aries. Who thought that Danny Houston was? Yeah. Dudendorf? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think that he was. Yeah. Um, but, the, but like when I was, when I was in the theater, my friend that I saw it with, she, she said like, uh, like when they were having their, their battle, uh, Danny Houston and, um, Wonder Woman, uh, my friend said, I, it's Dr. Poison's Aries. And like, I'm oh. sitting there thinking like, Oh wow. Yeah. That's like glaringly obvious. Holy huh. crap. Obviously. Yeah. Um, and so I was expecting that. So when David Thewlis came up, I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Sure. All right. And I really liked the idea of Aries being this, this God who is not controlling humanity. He's just giving them that nudge right. and doing that. I thought that was a really compelling uh, angle on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the actual fight between them, uh, first of all, the thing with Ludendorff and, and Wonder Woman, like all, like that, that fight kind of feeling like the faux climax of the movie. Um, the, all of that being contained in just this, like this watchtower setting. That's a very small enclosed space. I thought that that was pretty, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, cause I was expecting it to be this huge open thing and, and kind of balls to the wall action, but this was very, contained yeah um and then when Aries shows up we got the kind of boss with wall action i kind of i was lukewarm on that i was like okay that's this just feels kind of run of the mill this feels like a superhero ending mm-hmm. um and yeah and I, I thought that 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 final battle just again it felt kind of i was into it because i thought that it was kind of cool i think that seeing wonder woman fight um in a movie like that at this point is still novel to me. Mm-hmm. Like she was arguably the best thing about Batman V Superman yeah. and seeing her carry her own in, in um, her own movie is very enjoyable to me. And it's very, uh, it's very steady and it's like, or it's, it's very novel to me at this point still. Um, so seeing that battle scene was pretty, pretty cool, but it wasn't without its kind of nagging thing in the back of my head thinking that this is a run of the mill superhero origin story, final battle. Like it just, it just felt kind of rote to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of wanted to talk about the, uh, the little ragtag group of group of buddies they got together. Yeah. Cause that, that always bothers me, um, mm-hmm. with these movies. Um, it bothered me with Captain America. Yeah. It's, it's just this ragtag group of random people that's put together to serve mm-hmm. the main character. Yeah. And it's just so unfortunate that it has to go that way. <laughs> I understand that it's necessary, mm-hmm. but it's just like, like all those all those dudes in Captain America, with the exception of Bucky, it's just like I don't even remember their names. I don't remember who they were. They they were just there to drive the plot. They were cogs 
you know, cogs in the story machine. And, and I feel like this was pretty much the same thing. I think they, they, they just pretty much served, uh, served the purpose of developing the story, that character of Diana Mm -hmm. and driving the story forward a little bit, especially the chief guy. Yeah. Man, that was just egregiously bad. I just, yeah, I, I really hated that. (laughs) He, Um, he wasn't developed. Like he, yeah, yeah, he 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 just yeah I I concur that he did not need yeah. to be there. He did not belong there. Right. I, re- I really don't think so. Um, I feel like the the Scottish guy, uh, Ewan Bremner, the mm-hmm. actor, uh, and then the the other guy were you know they they were they were kind of funny. Yeah, and and I I appreciated what they the purpose they served, and I think they both did a decent job with it. But mm-hmm. again, they're just they're superfluous cogs in the machine of driving the story and developing the main character. And it's, it's, you can't, I just can't ever bring myself to invest in those characters. Um, and even with like, like with Captain America, I even like Bucky, Mm -hmm. I was like, this guy, they're, he's going to, they're going to kill him off at the end of this movie. And that's going to be it. And he's going to forever be the guy who makes Steve Rogers reminisce about the past or something. I don't even know. Um, I I don't know I that bothered me. And, you know, he ends up being a pivotal character, and I, yeah. I I appreciate what they did with this character. I like I like the character of Bucky Barnes and right. the Winter Soldier. That's awesome. Um, but I I I don't think there's any you know there's no chance of any of that, anything like that happening with these characters. And, yeah, I I agree, and it's like I said, they had the whole. Did you did they ever kind of call back to this at all? Because they had the the sharpshooter guy. They had the moment where he freezes up and he doesn't shoot the shoot shoot the gun. Yeah. Did they did they have his like come up like like his uh his heroic moment at any point? I I don't think so. I don't. If they did, so. I don't remember it. <laughs> and is he the one that said that he was an actor and that they couldn't he couldn't get roles, or was that the other guy? Uh, that was the other guy. Okay. Okay. See, like that's like I thought that was a cool scene. That was a cool moment, but like I felt like those character moments between them, and also with the chief, I think that there's a moment where he mentions that, uh, like she asks uh, something about, um, who took your who took your land or something like that, and they yeah. said they he says they did. Um, I I don't know. That was a cool moment. They just had these little brief moments, and it wasn't enough, nearly enough, to make me care about them mm-hmm. as a team or anything. Right. It, yeah. Like I said, they were they were they were trampolines for Wonder Woman to bounce ideas yeah. off of. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. Like I, you mm-hmm. have to you have to develop her character, but it's just like don't try to make me invest in these characters because they're right. they're not going to be here. they're not going to be here for another forty five minutes, and they're never going to see them again. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, and this, I mean, we probably could have talked about this in non spoilers, but that, uh, the No Man's Land sequence. Yes. That I thought was like the standout scene of the entire movie for me. Yeah. And um, she, she just goes ham. Yes. And yeah. That was really awesome. Yeah. Seeing in, in, that's what I love about, like, that, that encompasses what I really enjoy about this movie. This is, a moment where the character is she's at the front lines of the war of world war one. Um, and she's being told that they've, that they've been stagnant there. Um, and that there's a village that has been taken over and everything. And so she just has this incredibly selfless granted. She's a demigod. Like she can hold her own, but she has this moment where she just, she just goes for it. Like in, 
like seeing her deflect bullets with her with her uh with her wrists yeah like that is such a cool thing yeah, that cool. never got old to me um and then it kind of rallying everyone to go to go after and, and make their progress and everything that is such an amazing scene for me mm-hmm. um i i really loved that um also to, <laughs> with it being world war 1 and everything and aries being the main villain and I get this, and I like before I say this out loud, I know exactly how it will come across, and I know exactly what the rebuttal will be. But if she goes after the god of war and she defeats the god of war in World War One, why is there World War Two? Yeah, um, why sure. is there war at all in general? Well, I think he demonstrates he, through the dialogue. He says, "Like I." He was like, I don't just nudges them. He's like, I don't even they start these wars on their own. He says that. Right. That's, you know, he's not the god of politics. And sometimes war and politics are very closely entwined. So I think I think they covered that in my book. They covered that pretty well. Right. Um, Yeah. And and yeah. And like he does say that he just whispers to them and and influences them that way. So it's not like he's, you know, it's not as cut and dry as that. So that's, you know, but it's still kind of, I don't know. Yeah. The, I kind of wanted to mention the uh, the like subtle influxes of kind of like feminism in the movie because mm-hmm. that's an important part of the movie. You, yeah. you, know, you kind of need to address it. it. What I liked is the fact that this movie did not have an agenda. Right. It didn't have an agenda that it wore on its sleeve, mm-hmm. but it had a – it subtly – kind of had this girl power thing to it yeah. and this kind of feminist <laughs> thing to it. Yeah. I don't mean to I don't mean to diminish diminish it. No. I'm, not, I'm not trying to do that. I'm saying that like they very they they inserted those ideas into the movie very subtly and very well. Mm-hmm. Um for example, there's there's some moments where like male characters like the, I think it's the um the French North African guy, Said, whatever his name was. I think that's the actor's name. Um what is his name? Uh Samir was the character's name. Uh, Saeed is the actor's name. <laughs> when they first meet, he tries to like kind of hug her or maybe like go in for a kiss, and she mm-hmm. just kind of very subtly pushes him away and just like yeah. almost not rolls her eyes, but has mm-hmm. this like fun expression on her face, like "Okay, buddy, calm down." Right. Um, that was awesome. I just love that. Um, and like the uh, what were some? Oh, like when uh, Lucy Davis's character, uh, the secretary of uh, uh, Steve Trevor, she, you know, they're looking at clothes um, and she, she, they're looking at like a, um, I don't know what you call it, like a uh, turn of the century brassiere. I don't know what you call mm-hmm. it, like a sure. a bodice thing, you know, that you mm-hmm. lace up in the back and it tucks your tummy in. And, oh, yeah. And she's like, that's what, you know, that's what a woman does to tuck in her tummy. And Diana's like, why would you need to tuck it in? And it was like, <laughs> it was so subtle and like, yeah. it's, it was just like, you know, it's like a positive body image kind of thing, but it wasn't, yeah. it made sense and it was, they made it funny. Right. But it was still a good point. You yeah. Know what I mean, like they didn't, they didn't trivialize it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was, there were some funny things like that. And then the, the whole part of her trying on clothes I thought was pretty pretty comical and just funny. She's like, "Why would you wear this?" Like, she's like, "I can't even fight in this." It was, <laughs> right. it was that was funny stuff. I, you know, oh yeah, I thought that was cleverly done. I I agree, and and yeah, it didn't feel like it was a pushing an agenda or anything. It just felt yeah. like it was. I mean, it's it's the character. The character is yes. an empowering character. 
um, for uh, she's a feminist icon. She's a, an icon for for women, right? And it's I mean it's it's really great it's really great that they can infuse that the script with those moments and have it not come across as uh, pushing an agenda or or being like thrown in in anyone's face. It's not, and this is maybe not a fair. Maybe it is a fair comparison. I don't know. But like the closest um uh the closest con- connection I I can draw in my mind is I mean it's kind of similar um overall is Ghostbusters from last year. Mm-hmm. Um like I mean Ghostbusters was fine. I enjoyed it. Um I haven't had the urge to watch it again, but like that that movie seemed to have some elements that were um kind of on the nose in in terms of of yeah. um it's kind of feminist angle i guess not that not that there's anything wrong with that uh-huh. or anything i didn't mind it but like in wonder woman like you said it's it's a more subtle kind of thing like you don't have you don't have um <laughs> Uh, like the villain, like Ares isn't the embodiment of an internet troll or, right. or they don't, you know, or masculinity she, or yeah, anything like that. Exactly. Yeah. And she doesn't like kick him in the balls or anything right. like that. Um, <laughs> they weren't throwing it in your face. Yeah. But it, and, and that's not like, that's not us being like men, like, oh, they weren't throwing all their feminism in, in our face and everything. Like, that's not, that's not what this is. Like, I liked the more kind of direct, um, uh, direct kind of, uh, references to to feminism and and like the kind of uh those moments like like when <laughs> like when they're on the boat and Diana says uh, uh like uh Chris Pine asks her um about uh about procreation and stuff and she says like well you know we've come to the decision that uh men are vital for procreation but uh i think i think she said something to the effect of utterly unnecessary for pleasure yes <laughs> that is so great that was great that yeah. is wonderful yeah um that and then the whole secretary thing where she's like that seems that where i come from that sounds like slavery yeah. but that's that's those are great little jabs and that's it really kind of propels the movie right um in a, in a very good way it, it follows it it creates this undercurrent throughout the movie that goes throughout the entire two hours and 20 minute runtime to be this this kind of not necessarily even a statement just this thing that exists in the in uh in the kind of uh um in the age of, of feminism and, and things like it, it's a part of the part of the culture and it's not it's not making a huge statement or anything, um, but it's still doing its thing. I don't know. I'm rambling. <laughs> yeah, point. I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just the whole idea that, like, you know, Gal Gadot is is a gorgeous woman, mm-hmm. and like Wonder Woman is supposed to be, she's supposed to be, she's supposed to be badass. Mm-hmm. But she's supposed to look good while she's being badass, yeah. and they totally achieve that. Like, mm-hmm. you know. When she walks into that gala with the gown, you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit, she's just stunning. Yeah. But, you know, when she's out there swinging a sword and flying through the air, you're not like, oh, man, she's got a great ass. Like, that's not... Right. You're not thinking that. You're like, dang, she's she's yeah. awesome. She's kicking ass. Like, that's... They achieved that well. They mm-hmm. they balanced both, both purposes or mm-hmm. both uh, aspects of her character that way. Absolutely. And that's one of one thing that I kind of... I kind of loved about the movie and it felt very refreshing was that we have this... She, like... 
Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, however you pronounce it, Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot. Anyway, <laughs> um, she like she is stunningly gorgeous. Like she is, she is breathtaking. Yeah. At no point in this movie, even though we have several sequences where people are, where men are like not necessarily fawning over her, but they're, they're reacting to her beauty and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that's several points throughout the movie. At no point in this movie did I feel like she was sexualized in, in really any way or really any way that was egregious or, or over the top. And, um, it wasn't like, like we didn't to pull an example, like the most, uh, probably, probably the most, uh, um, the highest profile female uh in a superhero movie in the super current crop of superhero movies i would think black widow from from avengers Mm -hmm. um her first movie iron man 2 her first scene she's kicking ass and and uh and like tony has this has this little quip to um gwyneth paltrow where he's just like i want one right um and it's just like like the none of that is in wonder woman and it feels so refreshing and so like it feels it just feels nice. I don't right. know. Yeah. And she doesn't draw attention to her. She, I don't think she's aware that she's gorgeous. Like the character right. of Diane, I don't think she's aware that she's like a stunningly gorgeous mm-hmm. woman either. And she never draws attention to it. And like any compliment she ever gets or anything, yeah. she's like, Oh, that's okay. what makes her beautiful. It is. Yeah. yeah. One, she's beautiful on the inside too. One, one direction. Isn't that a song by one direction? You're asking the that's, wrong guy. Yeah. I don't know. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure I, if I got that right, hopefully people thought that was funny. Anyway, um, yeah, so anything else for Wonder Woman? I don't think so. Okay, great. Well, um, that'll do it for our review of Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, let us know what you think. I did post a tweet, but no one responded to it. Oh, yeah. wait, we did get a mention. Nope, never mind. Oh, I uh, I saw it with, uh, I went with Paige, and, uh, mm-hmm. and she kind of had same reaction as me she was like yeah it was just okay um then my partner at work she she has been looking forward to this like it's her the mm-hmm. uh theme song is her ringtone nice. like she's been looking forward to this mm-hmm. she saw it twice over the weekend nice. she absolutely loved it over the moon for it so nice. those are the two kind of opinions i was very interested in uh going into it and mm-hmm. that's what they thought so nice um yeah, uh, my friend I went with is a pretty big feminist, and she loves it. Nice. I uh, love the movie. Um, her response was, um, how's your phrase? Oh, she was like, can can uh, can women just direct all superhero movies or <laughs> all action movies from now on? Um, then, and there was something else I was going to bring up, and I can't remember now. Because uh, I said, <laughs> like, we got one mention, and nope, it was one tweet replying to my tweet about puking. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Uh, kind of final thought, I guess. Uh, the score. I um, One of my favorite parts of Batman v Superman was the Wonder Woman theme that played. Um and I've heard it argued before that like the thing that's kind of missing from the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that the different superheroes they don't have like they don't seem to have like um like sc- like themes in the score for each one like it there isn't enough of a difference in the score of the movies to kind of really uh make you relate to a certain character like there's not like that there's no like Hans Zimmer Dark Knight music there's no like uh man of steel there's no like superman john williams 
type thing from uh richard donner movies true um so there's no like iconic iconic uh theme present but wonder woman has that and it's a freaking killer like like uh riff or whatever um and the moments that it played in the movie i was like i was like grinning and super excited about it because like it's a cool like little theme to play and they didn't overuse it in the movie um and i thought that was a that was a nice touch totally yep um yeah and that'll do it for our review of wonder woman let us know what you thought um yeah we're gonna kind of wind down this episode before i puke again um (laughs) still can't believe that happened yeah um tiny have you ever heard me puke before I'm yeah, sure we have. used to drink together a lot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now we're 30. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, because I puked outside. I puked out of your truck on 465. You did. And then yeah. you looked, and then you leaned back in the window. You looked over me and you're like, did I just puke? Did I just puke? You said oh, that. Oh, yeah. Fun times. That was hilarious. That's ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to wind down this episode. <laughs> Uh, with potpourri, which is our uh, every week, uh, every episode we have a section of the podcast where we talk about anything we want to, uh, anything we're looking forward to, anything we want to uh, talk about that we've seen. It's called potpourri. It's whatever we want as long as it smells good. And, uh, you know, after the incident earlier in this recording, I think we could use some potpourri in here. Um, so, Tiny, you've got one thing. Mm-hmm. I actually got a couple. I'm going to kind of do an audible here. Okay. Um, in and sports reference. Add in, I know, right? Um, I am going to throw out this thing that's, it's not, I get the feeling and granted when I say this, I'm not saying like, I don't know how this is going to come across. When I say this, don't take it to mean that I, you know, care, <laughs> but I feel like people might be getting annoyed of, at us talking about the dark tower so much, <laughs> but, uh, there were some dark tower ads coming out or like promos, mm-hmm. um, TV spots that came out. There were three of them. So I was pretty excited about that. What did you think of those? They were cool. You know, there's uh, a little more, um, less actiony subtle moments in some mm-hmm. of them, which I appreciated. Uh, there's one of Roland in the hospital that I thought was pretty funny. I thought that was good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. I'm hoping to see, and I don't remember, where did I say this? I said this somewhere. Anyway, um, I, like every time I go to the movie theater, I'm kind of keeping my eye out for the Dark Tower poster because like I have my, like the second I see it in a movie theater, I'm going to go and be that guy who's like, hey, when you guys are done with this, can I have it? <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I'm waiting for that, but I ha- I'm not seeing it anywhere. Yeah. Um, apparently, they did play the TV spots during the N- uh, NBA playoffs, I guess. Okay. So, yep. But um, there was a whole point that I was going to make for that. Um, they did, IGN had a, this is more just kind of loose conversation now. Um, welcome to podcasting. Um, <laughs> they had, IGN had a contest for like you know if you won you could get tickets to the premiere in august for the movie um but and i was gonna submit it but i I didn't submit anything so that's unfortunate (laughs) but anyway um yeah dark tower is exciting i'm excited they're gonna come out with uh movie tie-in editions of the of at least the first book and uh i am gonna buy that because i am a slave to (laughs) The Dark Tower. I'm a tower junkie. Yeah, me too. Um, yep. And me also, too. 
Yes. Also, uh, real quick, I did, and I've mentioned this to you before, Tiny, but I've been buying a lot of shirts recently online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I now have one, two, three, three Dark Tower shirts. And I'm planning on buying a fourth. And my plan is to have because I'm gonna see I'm gonna see the movie minimum twice in the theater. Like it's yeah. even if it's terror. I saw Interstellar twice and I didn't like the movie. <laughs> so I'm going to see it multiple times. So my plan is I'm going to have a different Dark Tower shirt for each time I see the movie. Dude, save so, some pussy for the rest of us. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bought one too. I have nice. it's on the way. I haven't gotten it yet. Which one did you get again? Oh, the one that had like it's like is it like a bookmark? Kinda. It's it's the it's one of the uh, artist inspired pieces of art of Roland standing in front of an open door. Yeah, like in front of the tower. Uh, it's it's kind of like that a silhouette of that with the quote. There are other worlds than these, mm-hmm. which is my like my favorite line from the oh yeah from the series. Oh yeah, the recent one that I got is the uh, I think they're silhouettes of uh, silhouettes of basically like the entire quartet. Um, Roland, Eddie, Susanna, Jake, Oi, um, and they're walking in the towers in the background and, uh, it says other worlds than these. And above that, it's just, it's just roses. And I think mm. the entire design is like inside, like the petal of a rose. Um, okay. it's, it's really cool. I'm excited because like all of the stuff that I can find, like you don't see the full quartet in, in the designs or anything. Right. Um, so yeah, anyway, anyway, that's the dark tower that's coming out. Also, I did win, um, uh, Indianapolis Indians tickets. Yeah. Uh, like baseball tickets from my complex, even though they locked my cat in the room. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's a whole thing. But anyway, um, and I specifically bought a, a dark tower shirt. That's, uh, it's, uh, it's like a baseball logo design that just says Gilead gunslingers. That's cool. One. And yeah, I bought that specifically because I'm going to go to an Indians game. Nice. So anyway, yeah, that's my first part of potpourri. Um, <laughs> that's the dark tower, August 4th guys, please go see it. I'm going to see it so many times. Please go see it at least once <laughs> so we can talk about it. Um, yeah, and I had a stupid thought, and this is not – this is a terrible idea, Tiny. So please veto it when I say it. Okay. But since we – if you remember, like four years ago, we posted – we both, almost exactly four years ago, we each wrote a a blog post for the website, each telling how we would adapt the Dark Tower series. Mm-hmm. And uh, my thoughts – and this is a terrible idea. This is a horrible idea. Veto it, please. You're really selling it. I know. Is uh, like we should convene before the movie at some point and, uh, and like say like this is how we would do this adaptation. How we would – like knowing what it is, pulling from all the books, telling – like having the first start of a franchise, incorporating all that. Like how would we, how would we do the story? Why is that a terrible idea? Because it is going to set us up for disappointment or set us up with <laughs> set us up with so many expectations for the movie that it's not going to meet. Uh, I mean, we're going to have those anyways. I agree. Yeah, we will. Veto it, please. I've always thought we were going to do that. We've talked about doing that. Oh, like the plan, the plan in my head was always we'll see the movie and 
scheduling, I mean, I know you've got, you know, wedding stuff coming up and everything. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's important as a symbolic thing that you and I see this movie together. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, in our Dark Tower shirts. <laughs> uh, and then we'll Facebook Live after it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, that always goes so well when we do that. I know, Well, the one time we did it, we <laughs> went fine. Um, anyway, um, what we, well, like my whole plan was to see the movie and then the release two episodes reviewing it. One, uh, where we review it as a movie. No, like, don't, don't say like, well, this, this is great because it was in the books or this, like just review it objectively as a movie. Okay. Um, and then have another one that's just like book fan overload. Um, talk about all the different references, everything that's like everything that's calling back, and all the things that's referring to thing. Why this is, why this is an important line because it says something about what happened in book five, and like kind of just go all out nerdy about it. Okay, that's my expectation. I don't know, but yeah, we'll talk about it more. <laughs> yeah. What do you have for potpourri? <laughs> okay, uh, much less exciting than that. Um, <laughs> over the weekend, I watched the. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sequel, Out of the Shadows. Oh, boy. I did, yeah. I watched it. Um, what the fuck was this movie? <laughs> it it was so bad. It has a 6.0 on IMDb, which I'm going to contribute an entire point of that to just uh, fandom or, you mm-hmm. know, just geeky fandom. Um, yeah, this movie was just a friggin' mess. Yeah. And, like, the first one objectively wasn't that great of a movie, but like the team, like the team was awesome. Like the the actual turtles, like they were, they had great. All the actors and stuff had great chemistry. They were funny. They played off of each other a lot. And like they, the elevator scene where they do the whole beatbox thing, yeah. like that was all just so much fun. And they felt like a team. And that made the movie really fun. And I really like. I actually really enjoyed the first movie for that, even though. The plot was super dumb, and like mm-hmm. Shredder was not very interesting, um, and it was just it was a fairly weak plot and like climax movie. Um, character that just goes to show you how great characters can be; they can just make a whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie, they they the sequel, they completely lost sight of that. <laughs> completely, like they did not feel like a team at all. That chemistry was just gone, mm-hmm. and like a lot of the comic relief was just not there i mean there was there were a couple funny parts but it's they just lost all their all their chemistry it was there was just no chemistry in this movie whatsoever mm-hmm. it it was such a shame i was really disappointed um and on top of that it was just a convoluted mess there's like three villains one yeah. of them is tyler perry <laughs> who laughs really really annoyingly yeah and is just stupid just so stupid mm-hmm. um it's like if someone gave Neil deGrasse Tyson an extra chromosome, that was the character he played. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, and then Shredder and Krang teaming up to destroy the world, but Shredder lives in the world. Why would you want to destroy it? <laughs> it didn't make any sense. The movie didn't make any damn sense. And there's like this, just these this insane level of science fiction where there's this whole other universe and mm-hmm. like, it's freaking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, they're like, they live in a sewer and they like to eat pizza. Like, and they're going to, a, they're like bringing in like Lawrence Krauss multi dimensional theory. Like, mm. there's quantum physics in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. What the hell? <laughs> uh, it, just, it was just a convoluted mess. Um, 
but my nostalgia nerve went crazy when they were in like the the garbage truck and the oh yeah the manhole covers came out of the front. I was like, I had that toy when I was a kid. It was so cool. <laughs> it was um, cool. So it hit some nostalgia notes, but man, I watched it on my uh, I watched it on my tablet mm-hmm. while I was working security, nice. which is not the best environment, right? But it's it's a Michael Bay TMNT movie, yeah. so like I. Ah uh, man, I I don't even I I don't even really remember it that well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought really. Bebop and Rocksteady were they looked cool, but I thought they uh, the 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 writing was just I think it was improvised. Like I don't even know yeah. that there was writing. It was it was pretty atrocious. The actors had nothing, yeah, nothing to work with. Mm-hmm. It was really bad. Um, there was. Like Krang's like first line in the movie like got so under my skin. I don't even remember it. I think and I don't know if this is the direct quote, but it's like he takes like he basically kidnaps uh 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 Shredder mm-hmm. and then like his first his first line is basically um I am Krang and I'm going to destroy the universe and you're going to help me. It's like, it's, it's like, I I don't understand how that is an actual line of dialogue. Like, (laughs) and I understand that the demographic is, you know, you know, kids, you know, right. Kids are meant to enjoy this movie, but it's like, get at least a little creative. I know. Ugh. like picks every single freaking year. Pixar, Makes a movie for kids that adults enjoy the hell out of. Yeah, there's a way to do it, and they don't do it in these right. in these movies. Uh, Krang was voiced by Brad Garrett, by the way. Oh yeah, that's right. Which is goofy. I thought Krang again. I thought he looked cool. Like it, he kind of looked cool. Like he sure. was scary. I, when I watched the cartoons, kid, I thought Krang was scary. I mm-hmm. thought he was scary. I thought that was creepy. That there was a brain that was talking, and sure, I thought it was creepy when I was a kid. But and I think he was pretty menacing looking in this movie. Like to see a you know, like a live action version of Krang was like disturbing and kind of crazy. But then he, then he spoke mm-hmm. and it was like, what the fuck, you know, WTF all over this movie. Yeah. Um, Megan Fox is in it. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Oh, Oh, I have to bring up, first of all, Laura Lenny, congrats on the paycheck. Um, <laughs> Stephen Amell. Oh he's, yeah, Casey uh, Jones, the Arrow, right? Yeah, he's Arrow. Arrow on TV. I've never watched Arrow. Never seen Stephen Amell. Mm-hmm. I wanted to punch him so much. <laughs> he was so goddamn annoying in this movie. Mm-hmm. He was like, um, I'm trying to think of how to categorize him. He was just so annoying. Like he just, um, he reminded me of like some kind of know it all kid in like a teen, a teen comedy movie. Sure. Like an annoying know-it-all kid. And his voice was grating. It was like nails on a chalkboard for me. I, I hated him in this movie. And like I remember like in the, the live-action movie from the 90s, they had Casey Jones, and he was cool. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was cool. He had the long hair, and he was like a kind of a dude. Yeah. Dude bro. And I, I liked him in that movie. But yeah. man, they, they totally missed the mark with Casey Jones in this movie. And, in the, and they made him a cop. Yeah. Like... Oh. Correctional officer, yeah, yeah. It was it was weird. Like he's talking shit to the to the mm-hmm. prisoners in the back of his, 
Like, what are you, a freaking high school bully? What are you? Right. You're reading off their records and talking shit to them while you have them arrested and handcuffed in the back. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, Ugh. how over the top are you? Like, were you, right. is he a villain? What? <laughs> why? What's going on? Yeah, and just the way that the action is shot is just so annoying. It is like his first, like, like Casey Jones's first, uh, like action scene where he's fighting off the the thugs or whatever in the alley. Like I, I could not track what the hell was going on. Yeah, because it was just a series of close-ups of faces and hockey stick and more faces, and it's like yeah. it did not like track like what exactly was going on, and it was so frustrating. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Do you have any more to say about Out of the Shadows? <sighs> No, <laughs> I don't. I can't decide if I wanted to make a third one or not. I I don't think I, so. No, I'm done with yeah. them. I think it would be kind of. I I think Will Arnett was maybe a little cool in it. Yeah, he was sort of funny. It was fun, but yeah, sort of. Roid yeah. Rage is a bad trait for a Ninja Turtle, but anyway. Yes, yes, it is. Um, that was annoying. Anyway, um, if yeah. They, if they can recapture some of that chemistry of the first movie, I would I would enjoy seeing the team you know be cohesive again yeah but i don't need to see it at all sure so okay yeah and that is uh yeah teenage mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows uh i'll round us out with a very quick uh, uh potpourri that i forgot to mention in the episode that i'm going to release next week so it's regard it's ridiculous for me to even bring it up mm-hmm. um as forgetting it but anyway um i saw baywatch you did i did okay i saw baywatch um Zach Efron, The Rock, uh, you know, remake of re- basically 21 Jump Streeting Baywatch. Yeah. Um, it was okay. It was like, it's getting trashed a lot and, you know, do like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, <laughs> uh, rightfully so. Um, but you know, this movie, it had some funny moments. It had some funny things sprinkled throughout it. I laughed not necessarily consistently throughout it, but I laughed a good amount of times uh, throughout the movie. The problem was that it just is, it wasn't cohesive as a story for me. Like it wasn't consistent in its, it wasn't as uh, cleverly written as a plot as it, as some of the jokes were constructed as, as jokes. Like it, it hit, like it, it was successful in making me laugh throughout it, but uh, everything else was kind of vapid and, and kind of dumb. Um, having said that, there is a moment early on in the movie where a character gets, and this is going to sound so dumb, but he, okay, I'll just run through it. It's a, not necessarily a spoiler, but it's a spoiler for one of the, you know, early parts of the movie. Uh, this character is kind of, he has a crush on one of the, one of the lifeguards. He is trying to get, onto the Baywatch team. So he, uh, something happens to where he is, uh, he needs her to help him. I think, Oh, I think I don't remember what happens. That's, I saw it like two weeks ago. I don't remember much of it, but anyway, something happens to where he gets an erection and then to conceal it, because I think she's giving him mouth to mouth or something. I don't remember the exact context, <laughs> but to conceal it before she can notice it, uh, he just basically face plants into a chair that's nearby. And what happens is his erection, his erect penis gets caught between the planks of the chair. 
What is this, a Porky's sequel? It's, yeah. And it's not like a straight down in the planks. It's like it's, you know, pressed through okay. the planks. And uh, it is, like, it's all with it. Like, you don't see Dick. But <laughs> it is so, as a man, <laughs> to see this scene, I felt physical pain. Like, I winced out loud um, at the kind of uh, climax of that sequence. Um, and it, it hurts. The memory of it hurts. So, yeah. Kudos to that, I guess. Okay. But, um, yeah, Baywatch was okay. I mean, if it hits Netflix, it's, it's a good background movie. Gotcha. Yeah. How is Alexandra Daddario in that? She is fine. She's okay. She's fine. She's gorgeous. But she's, yeah. you know... She's fine. Everyone's kind of just okay. The thing, <laughs> um, so I think this is just conjecture on my part, but I feel like, you know, obviously it's Baywatch, so obviously it's it's a reboot of um, of a property from from a couple decades ago, um, and so naturally you're going to have probably a cameo or two, right? Right. Um, and spoilers but they do have a cameo or two okay um i feel comfortable saying that because i feel like the only way they could get these characters to appear in the movie um was if they were to get billing in the in the oh. credits because like you and you see like in the credits oh this uh, this these two people are in this movie yeah. and they're literally just cameo appearances and I'm like, why would you put that in the credits? Yeah. And I'm like, I bet that that's like a negotiation thing. Like, right. they probably a price thing that they they needed to be billed in the opening credits. Right. Or else they wouldn't do it. Give us billing or give us more money. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, well, we'll give you billing then. Yeah. 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 Or will appear in the movie, but it's not artistic artistically sound enough. So give us credit so that right. we can get more money. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, yeah Alexandra Daddario. I, I'm like disappointed in her because, like, mm. in True Detective, let's face it, she's kind of famous because she took her top off in True Detective, uh-huh. and people have talked about it. Sure, and it was great. But like, people forget she gave a really good performance in that show. Like, yeah, she I th- did. I thought she was really good. You know, she mm. a very ancillary character, but she ended up being really an enjoyable performance wise. Right. But then all she's done since then is just like play chicks. Yeah, like San Andreas, San Andreas. and yeah. Baywatch and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Oh yeah, um, she's like just she's like plays like just a chick, huh? And like she, I think she's better than that. And like I, yeah, I'm convinced she could play some. She could like be a good actress and, mm-hmm. and give good performances. Okay, um, she's Hopefully, not she's not just hot. Yeah. Hopefully she doesn't get typecast. Yeah. Hmm. Just curious. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, Zephron was good. Nice. Yep. He's funny. I saw him. I saw him in Neighbors too. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought he was like arguably better than Seth Rogen in that movie. Right. Like I thought he was pretty. He was like the best part of that movie. I thought he, just because he was a fish out of water and yeah, he's like a a mimbo, a mm-hmm. male mimbo. I thought he was pretty funny. Yeah, I I like him as a comedian. Yeah, actor. me Even too. Like, uh, uh. Bad Grandpa, Dirty Grandpa, whichever one it is. I didn't see that one. Yeah, I did. It's one of the worst movies I've seen in recent memory. Yeah. Like, don't see it. I won't. It's a shame that he was in it. Um, and Robert De Niro. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I just, I, I like Zac Efron. I hope he does more, like, 
comedic roles. Me too. Um, there is a funny running gag throughout throughout Baywatch where uh, where uh, the Rock just calls him calls him by nicknames. Yeah. Uh, like oh hey One Direction and like <laughs> all that and one of like this got a very good laugh out of me and uh it's great it's not that great a movie so i'll spoil it but it's just this like he's just he's just like hey high school musical and I'm like, that's awesome <laughs> that's great that's awesome but yeah he is uh he's he's zach efron he's ridiculously um uh good looking also so that, yes yeah that too yeah yep anyway that's all I got. Um, me too. That will do it for this week's episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Once again, check out Dave Chan's uh, uh, check out his panel, uh, The Power of the Podcast, Saturday, June tenth at eight p.m. at St. Francis College in Mar- at Maroney Theater in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and yeah, check out the uh, Art of Brooklyn Film Festival. And uh, yeah, you know, make sure you check out his stuff and also check out the Surefire Podcast. Um, and yeah, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Almost a two-hour recording. Oh shit! But I puked. Fuck! So. There's like ten minutes of puke in there. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> um, hey guys, just want to uh, just mentioning that our friend. Uh, our friends Matt and Shirley from the Nerds Domain, uh, they were sadly recently victims of a burglary in their home, and they lost all of their equipment, all everything. They lost so much stuff, um, and it's terrible. And you know, it's it's really uh, horrible to see good things ha- or see terrible things happen to good people. Yes. Um, yeah. Having said that, they did start a GoFundMe. Uh, Tiny, do you want to talk about it? Totally, yeah. Uh, you can tell they're not being greedy a-holes. They're not asking for like five grand or anything. They're being very realistic. And uh, if you have any spare change, uh, even five bucks is uh, very helpful. So if you if you can, uh, click on GoFundMe link. Uh, we'll have that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, throw them a couple shekels if you can afford it. Uh, yes. They're good folks. They've been good to us. And, and oh, yeah. they're just cool people. We like them. And they did not deserve to be wrong like that. It's terrible yeah it is uh it is a super uh, a really big uh bummer there i think he matt mentioned they lost hours like tens of hours maybe yeah, of recording I think something like 300 hours worth oh of god that's just i can't that's a year yeah that's a year of recording oh more yeah. than a year yep that's crazy so yeah please help them out if you can they're yep. good they're good peeps oh yeah so we'll put the link in the show notes and it's at gofundme.com slash burgled dash recording dash equipment um go ahead and uh please if you have the means go uh donate there um yeah we we both donated yes we did yeah so you know be like us <laughs> um, all right and uh all right. Well, uh, yeah, that'll do it. So, yep. <laughs> so, yep. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. 
You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.